Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 253. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to be discussing the sixth Star Trek feature film, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Here we go. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, release date December 6th, 1991, directed by Nicholas Meyer, produced by Ralph Winter and Stephen Charles Jaff, story by Leonard Nimoy, Lawrence Connor, and Mark Rosenthal, screenplay by Nicholas Meyer and Denny Martin Flynn, cast includes William Shatner as James T. Kirk, Leonard Nimoy as Spock, DeForest Kelly as Leonard McCoy, James Doohan as Montgomery Scott, George Takei as Hikaru Sulu, Walter Koenig as Pavel Chekhov, Nichelle Nichols as Uhura, Kim Cattrall as Valeris, Christopher Plummer as Chang, and David Warner as Gorkon. Starship USS Excelsior, commanded by Captain Sulu, is struck by a shockwave and discovers that Prax, a Klingon moon, has been destroyed. The loss of Prax and the destruction of the Klingon homeworld's ozone layer throws the Klingon Empire into turmoil. No longer able to maintain a hostile footing, the Klingons look for peace with their long-standing enemy, the United Federation of Planets. Accepting the proposal before the Klingons choose to revert to a more belligerent approach and die fighting, Starfleet, spearheaded by Spock, sends USS Enterprise to meet Klingon Chancellor Gorkon and escort him to negotiations on Earth. Captain Kirk, whose son David was murdered by Klingons, opposes the negotiations and resents the assignment. You said so yourself. They killed your son. Did you not wish Gorkon dead? Let them die, you said. Did I misinterpret you? And you were right. They conspired with us to assassinate their own Chancellor. How trustworthy can they be? Klingons and Federation members conspiring together. Who is us? Everyone who stands to lose from peace. Names, Lieutenant. My comrades will make certain all your ship-to-shore transmissions are jammed. Names, Lieutenant. I do not remember. A lie? A choice. Star Trek VI. So I think, I, I, I kind of mentioned this last time, but part of the reason we got this movie was because Star Trek V left kind of a bad taste in people's mouths. Like they didn't want to go out on that movie, uh, you know, like the studio, you know. Uh, Star Trek VI almost didn't happen several times. There were other, there was a completely different movie that Harv Bennett, Starfleet Academy movie was in pre-production for a long time and then got trashed at the last second. And then they they wanted to have this movie in time for the 25th anniversary. With only a year and a half before the release date, they completely started over from scratch, you know, brought in Nimoy and he brought in Nick Meyer and they hashed out the story. And so this movie was made very, very quickly and relatively very cheaply. I, still, I think it was still probably about 30 million-ish. But considering how expensive the talent had gotten at this point, it's a shame they didn't have a little more money. Originally, there was going to be this awesome opening sequence, kind of a putting the band back together sequence where we saw what everyone was doing, all the crew, and they have to all get retrieved. Kind of wish we could have seen that. I, I've heard Nick Meyer say that you know maybe pacing-wise it could have ended up getting cut anyway, but they, that's not why they cut it. They cut it for the budget. I'm so glad that we have this movie because I like this movie a lot. I think it's, I think it's really good, and I think it's an entirely satisfactory way to go out on our original characters. 
Oh, just side note, the teaser trailer for this movie, I love, I adore. It's one of my favorite trailers ever made. It's certainly my favorite Star Trek trailer. I don't know if you've ever seen it. The teaser, it's, um, I think it's the shot from the motion picture maybe, but uh, it's it's a shot of that shot of the Enterprise just slowly kind of passing by the camera and they superimposed over it shots from the original series and I think a couple of the movies and stuff. And then they had Christopher Plummer do this narration where he's talking about for one quarter of a century, you have journeyed with them and now they ask you to go on one last journey. Uh, I love that freaking teaser. I don't know if you guys remember that. It's, it's so great. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed good. it too. But, you know, this. The, the, I think this movie, uh, despite the budget limitations um, and other limitations, uh, I think this movie entirely works and it's very satisfying. Steve, why don't you get us going here? Yeah, so I, I too enjoyed this movie and I, I think it's a a good uh, good movie to wrap up, you know, the, you know, basically it's the last, I mean, it is the, it's the last time we see all these people. Some of these, some of these uh, characters we never see again, uh, period. Um, and uh, I, I think, I think it does work pretty well, you know, for what they do. It's got, it's got a little bit of everything. I think, you know, the, the whole kind of mystery slash courtroom stuff is kind of a, uh, almost always works it's 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 like a it's like an easy cheat you know or whatever it, it makes for more drama and makes things work well regardless whenever you have to try to solve a mystery and you have courtroom stuff and and this movie has both of those things um it's got uh you know a fair amount of the dynamics of the the big three which is always a crowd pleaser but it doesn't ignore all the other characters either you get to see a fair amount of of what's going on with them it's got uh themes that uh are relevant for the for the time and i think themes that are relevant for now as well obviously this was in the uh this is right at the time of the um fall of the uh soviet union and uh and that that's often the parallel that's that's drawn with it i found i found myself um you know seeing a lot of the uh relevant relevant themes uh today as well when watching at this time and that's the notion of deep-seated prejudice and uh, bias that exists within people and and as one ages how it's a challenge adapting to a new world that's that's changing and that's that's something a lot of the a lot of our population is dealing with now um and, and it's and it's also entertaining and fun and um uh, relevant, satisfying. Yeah, I I enjoy this as well. Adam, um, yeah, I definitely agree with everything that's been said. Um, I I think this is a very smart movie. I mean, it's smart in its simplicity, and it's smart, and it's it's a simple movie, yet it's kind of a complex movie. Um, Steve alluded to the fact that you know there's there's parallels to what was going on in the world at the time. You know, you had the fall of, the, of Russia, and that was a lot of a lot of theories and. It's probably actually true that, you know, that was precipitated by, you know, um, the accident in Chernobyl, the, the nuclear meltdown in Chernobyl, which you see the moon praxis, you know, environmental things. The Klingon Empire has only got 50 years to leave, to live, to survive. So, yeah, there are the parallels there. Um, I enjoy, um, you know, I haven't seen this movie all the way through um, in a long time. Usually when I see a, an old Trek movie, they're, they're on TV quite a bit. I'll catch like 10, 20 minutes here and there before I go to bed or, you know, somewhere in the middle of the movie. So this is the first time I've kind of watched it from start to finish. 
And it's, um, you know, and this is kind of cool that we've been doing all these movies again because, you know, you, we've seen these the previous movies, you know, fairly recently. And it's cool the themes that they pull into this movie just from the the movies that they've done, obviously. Um, you, um, Star Trek Three, where Kirk's son is murdered, the, the, those themes are very high in here. And, that's kind of, and there's been a, a theme throughout the last few movies where the Klingons really don't like, they don't like what Kirk did. They kind of want to get him. And so you have these themes to hear. So, you know, there's this whole subplot, you know, you know, where Klingons and Federation people are working against this peace treaty because they want things to stay the same. They don't want, they don't want to lose the status quo. And, um, Kirk is kind of pulled into this. And, um, I kind of like, they don't go, they don't, they don't stretch it too far, which I like, you know, there's a little bit of conflict between Kirk and Spock in this, um, in this movie, especially early on, you know, Spock kind of just springs this on the whole crew. Like, Hey, I volunteered you. I volunteered us for this, um, this crazy mission to <laughs> bring the chancellor to earth. And, um, you see all that kind of that emotional boil in Kirk, you know, you know, I, I, I've never trusted the Klingons. I could never forgive them for the death of my son. So you see those themes that have, that have played out the last few movies in this movie and you get a nice conclusion at the end of the movie, because, you know, it's like, Kind of, you know, kind of, you know, I don't like to think of Chang as is the the bad guy in in this film. He, you know, he's clearly the the foe. But I, I kind of, you know, the, the bad guy in this movie is to me is you know the inability for people for people to see beyond what they know. Um, so you, you know, you have Kirk who's 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 very hell bent, you know, on, on not wanting to do this, and you know, Chancellor Gorkon says, you know. Um, it'll be hardest for this generation to live through this change. So um, I, I like that theme of like, you know, it's going to, you know, growth doesn't come easy, and especially to those who've, who've been in, in a certain situation for so long. So like I said, I, I kind of feel like this is probably the smartest movie of the original cast, just because they had so many themes going on through this movie and they interwove it um, you know, very nicely throughout the whole film. And sometimes that, you know, we've, we've talked about many episodes where they've tried to do too much and it didn't work. But in this case, I think that it, it was smoothly done throughout the, throughout the whole film. Steve, do you have a spousal report for us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should write something up before these. Things. Um, yeah, she, she enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I think she thought it was entertaining and, and smart. Like, you know, I, I think it's just all around, um, yeah, it works. You know, I think it works for, I mean, I, I don't know now that she's seen all the others, I don't know what it would have been like if this was like the first thing she ever saw, you know, but, um, I, she, she did seem to enjoy it. It's, it's entertaining and it has some topics that are, have some weight to them too. So yeah, it was good. I, I love the pacing of this movie. I think it's yeah. wonderfully paced, you know, part of that is you're talking about just um, it's not that it writes itself, but you know it really helps the the the, the mystery side of it, the courtroom side of it. Uh, yeah, but some some of those some of those scenes, not just are the scenes great, like the the whole scene, an ancestor of mine maintained, you know, where he, <laughs> Spock's apparently related to Sherlock Holmes. Thanks, Nick Meyer, of course. Um, but that that entire sequence when let's see the let's see us firing again show put that on the screen and then you know by the end of the scene they've all figured it out and said all right we have a we have a theory that fits fits the facts that that entire scene is so great it's so well written but also that scene is so well placed 
it's at the exact right moment when you want to sort of take a break, but you don't want to, you know, you, you need to take a break from the more dramatic stuff and you want to get kind of caught up and you want to feel like the heroes are figuring some stuff out and they're making progress, even though now they've been given some additional blocks. It's, it's just really well paced. It's, it's got good scenes, but the scenes are in the right spots. There's never a moment when I feel like this shouldn't be here. Um, there are a couple of things I think maybe don't work so great. I've never thought the Klingon Universal Translator will be recognized, that little sequence. I don't think it really works, but that's a different thing than, than saying um, talking about the, uh, the pacing. As I do every time, I have to again beg Paramount, oh, please give us a new transfer. I think this might be the absolute worst of the bunch. This one was so bad, I'm not exaggerating. You know what it reminded me of? Uh, Thor Ragnarok Disney, when they put out the 4K disc of Thor Ragnarok with the, it had Atmos on it, the sound was so screwed up. I thought it was my system. I like stopped my system and had to check my settings and stuff. Uh, and then when I couldn't figure it out, I Googled it and sure enough, oh, they screwed up the sound on the disc. I actually, st- and I already know that the Star Trek movies look bad, right? This one looks so bad. I actually stopped it and checked to make sure I hadn't screwed something up. <laughs> yeah. That's how bad this one looked. It it really looks terrible. I mean, it looks like it didn't. I, I, I've seen DVDs that look better than some of the shots in this. And it's 100% because it was a crappy, bad transfer done a very long time ago. It's not. I know the movie doesn't look like this. And I was watching the Blu-ray, which is the best you can get right now. For a, a stick of gum and a dime, they could have, make this look so much better. I really wish they would do it. I was really surprised how bad this movie looks. And it shouldn't look like that. Brian, I agree with you about that scene with the the translation scene. It it made me um it, it made me cringe a little bit, and also kind of made me feel good because it's kind of one of the improvements they made with the Lahora character. You know, they made her a linguist. You know, in the, in the new tracks, and I think that kind of comes from the character Hoshi and Enterprise. And it just kind of it makes more sense in the her you know having that ability as a communications officer. It's just it's just kind of too bad they couldn't figure that out a, a lot sooner for her. Uh, let's talk about. Um, Valeris. There, there was a time when that, that character was going to be Savic. I'm glad it wasn't. Um, I think Kim Cattrall does a great job, but obviously the character is you know, informed by Savic. Some of the things that make Valeris so interesting, though, is, is you know, Spock clearly... He's, he's kind of like comparing her to Savic, too. Like, he makes assumptions about her. He, like he says, he, does he use the word prejudiced? I think so. I think that that character holds up in some ways better than Savic, even though she's kind of bad and maybe evil. <laughs> uh, I think that she is a more accurate depiction of a Vulcan here, not because she's evil, but because she has, you really get the sense that she has rationalized logically all of her decisions and actions. I like, I like the character and control is really great. Well, I think it's, um, 
you know, kind of an extension of what we talked about in the last couple of um, podcasts with how great of a job Leonard Nimoy does consistently with, you know, having Spock evolve and just kind of in the right way. But yeah, it's, it's dark, you know, and the, anytime a force, a forced meld is always dark, you know, <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you know Trek, you know, it feels like, it feels like a rape. I mean, a yeah, violation. it really does. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, you know, he's a, uh, He's, he's, he's angry. He's clearly angry. I mean, it's one of those kind of mm-hmm. evolutions in the character where he's, he's, you know, at this point he's, he's comfortable with the emotions he has. He knows when he wants to use them and it's, you know, and, and he can, he can get, it can get dark and he can get nasty, you know, but, um, but yeah, I like that. I like that part of it. It's interesting, you know, to see where, you know, um, betrayal and kind of the, um, almost, you know, revenge of it in front you know spock is so angry he does something that you know most would consider not not an ethical move there you know without anyone ordering to or anything like that you know i mean there's kind of a there's kind of a suggestion maybe just from their glances that you know kirk tells him we find out what's going on here but i mean no one tells him hey conduct a force meld which we know is unethical but I like that, you know, like he's still logic first. Yeah. He doesn't deny this possibility. In fact, I love that moment when, you know, after Kirk says, I had a thought about that. And apparently he's whispering. We don't, you don't learn it until later, but apparently he's whispering to Spock, you know, could it be Valerius? Because she was, mm-hmm. you know, standing uh, near the door of my quarters. But all we, all we hear is Spock's response, which is, it's possible. You know, it's such a it's such a perfect little Spock moment, especially yeah. when you watch it a second time and you realize that's what's going on right now. And he's even though even though we're going to see him get angry, you know, we, we know he's he doesn't want this to be true. His reaction when Kirk brings it up is almost almost like intellectually curious. It's possible. It's possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love that little moment. It's kind of a throwaway bit, but I but I really like that. Um, yeah, I like the scene in the in the. And the sick bay, obviously, um, yeah, you don't. We don't get to see Leonard get angry that much as um, as Spock. And man, he is scary looking. You know, when he knocks the phaser out of her hand, I'm like, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he is very menacing in in that. You know, and he's um, yeah, it was you know, and it was it was cool to see. Obviously, Leonard Nimoy is a fantastic actor, but you said sometimes you know playing the character that he plays, he's not able to have that different range of emotions and the, the facial expressions, but you really saw it come out there. It was, um, it was, it was scary and cool at the same time. I want to mention uh, Cliff Eidelman's score. I think it's great. I think this is the only Star Trek feature that opens with the villains theme. Uh, yes, I know it sounds a lot like the planets because that's what Nick Meyer wanted it to sound like, but I don't care. I think it's great. It's unique enough. And I think it sounds great. And I, I just, I love that little, that main theme. But there are other moments, too, where the music is good. I, that when they're trekking across the three of them, uh, Martia, uh, Kirk, and McCoy are trekking across the ice. Um, some great music there. I think. I great think, shots. Uh, those shots in the, on the. Yeah. Shots I read about, and of course, those weren't our main actors. They were standing people. But I read about it. They, I mean, they actually went up there and shot that stuff. So that's pretty cool. Um, I want to make sure we talk about. Christopher Plummer's Chang. Nick Myers talked about he <laughs> he put all this Shakespeare stuff in there and hired Christopher Plummer just because he wanted to hear Christopher Plummer <laughs> <laughs> recite Shakespeare. 
<laughs> but you know what? It works. Yeah. Um, I just rewatched. I just actually it's the first time I ever played the sound of music for my son. And it was amazing. You know, I mean, my son is nine and you might think, I mean, he's, he's definitely a boy, you know, when he plays his, his action figures, they're, they're all constantly killing each other and blowing things up. But the, the sheer power of the quality of the movie of sound of music, even though it's about a bunch of a, a, a love story with the family and, and a musical, it sold them. It, it, we both loved it so much because just because it's so great. But anyway, a big part of that is Christopher Plummer. He's so good. And I felt the same kind of electricity with him every time he's on screen in this in this movie. You, you know, it's not that big a part. There's not he's not in that many scenes. He doesn't have that many lines and stuff. But he's so good that he's he becomes he makes himself such a big part of this movie because he's he's fantastic. I mean, he's. Well, I mean, you know, you got those scenes where he's just toying with Kirk when they come over there and they're having their their oh, dinner. The dinner I love the dinner scene. Yeah. That's one of those scenes where, like, if you were taking a college class on how to make a movie, that to me would be the scene that would scare. Everything else in this movie, I could figure it out. But that the dinner scene would scare the crap out of me. That It's so hard to make a scene like that move and work and cover everything and get everybody in without it feeling like it's it's 10 years long and that that dinner scene is very complicated but but again christopher Plummer is such a big part of that it's nuts how much how passage of time right i mean like now we're there's more time has passed between this movie we're talking about and like recent stuff that he's in like knives out or something then has passed between sound of music and star trek (laughs) six you know it's 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 nuts how long he's been around doing this you know it's yeah um. Yeah, that that scene in the the transporter when he was leaving, and he just kind of got up into Kirk's face, and they're you know just kind of having that standoff. That was um. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you don't have to have um, violence to have like a a conflicting scene. Um, I I enjoy watching those two go at it at each other. Just the, the you know the expressions that William Shatner was giving him were, were good stuff. This movie has one of my favorite phrases ever: incriminating footwear. I started using the word footwear because of Spock saying incriminating footwear in this movie. Well, that's what's cool about it. There's some light moments in this movie that, you know, check off, you know, is the the Russian, you know, the shoe fits wear it. I mean, you know, there's these little kind of light moments like Blair, you know, shooting the, the pot, you know, the alarm would go off. So there's some light levity moments to kind of break up the, the drama and the heaviness that's going on. I also really, you know, we get to see a lot of the Enterprise in this movie. The different quarters and bays, um, you know, the searches, yeah, yeah, searches. It was kind of cool. I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, this is probably the most we've seen the Enterprise, maybe since the motion picture. I mean, they tra- they showed a lot of it in the motion picture, but yeah, I mean, it was cool to see, like, you know, it was almost kind of like lower decks type thing. And at least some of the food is actually cooked and not just replicated. Yes. Clearly, I love uh, Kirk fighting when when Martia become you know shapeshifts to look like Kirk and Kirk's like fighting himself. It has such an original series vibe. <laughs> That's fun. I mean, yeah, you talk about levity. Uh, I can't believe I kissed you. It must have been your lifelong ambition. <laughs> yeah, that was greatness. <laughs> it's such a. It's such a. I mean, obviously, the the, the tongue and cheek joke there is about Bill Shatner more than right. it's about uh, James C. Kirk. But yeah, no, it's great. It's great. I got to bring up Sulu too. I, you know, you were talking about the opening scene. I, I really enjoy the opening scene of this this movie. I remember from the theaters. You know, you get the quick scene of Sulu, I mean, captain of the Excelsior. You know, they kind of hint. You know, you go back and watch the other movies. You, they kind of hint at that because Sulu is always enamored by the Excelsior. Yeah, yeah. The, you know the 
the moon blows up. You have that shock wave. I, I remember that in the theater. I thought that was like a one of my favorite openings of any any movie. Um, you know, and Sulu getting to really have a have a ship and a command. You know, uh, this is probably the, the best role he's had in all the movies. And so it, it was cool to see him doing all that. And obviously, we get some Voyager out of this too. He used to George Takei. He used to have this bit, and maybe he still does it. I don't know. I haven't seen him in a while, but. He used to have this bit uh, during like you know Q and A's where he would talk about how Star Trek VI was a Captain Sulu movie, and he would go off and explain that for a while, and it was it was great, you know, and it, you know, it'd come around to, and of course at the end, who who saves him? You know, it's um Captain Sulu flying his ship apart. Yeah, again, he's he's probably got less screen time in this movie than any other. I would I would guess. Mm-hmm. But it's it's memorable and it feels right for the character. And if anything, it makes more sense for his character than anybody else. We've talked about that. You know, it's kind of silly that some of these other people are still doing the same jobs after decades. Right. Scotty had that, you know, he kind of had a little monologue there when you were talking about that scene where they were kind of going over everything, trying to figure out where to go. And he's very passionate about, you know, what's going on. So that was a good moment for him in the movie. Which moment? Um, It's when they're on the bridge, Spock, they're kind of, you know, they're hashing out what they're going to do. You, you mentioned the scene earlier, you know, it's that kind of calms everything down. And, but Scotty's very passionate about what they need to do and that kind of thing. So Great little moment there at the end where we see everybody minus Sulu on the bridge, the, the, like the end end. Uh, second start of the right and straight on till morning. Always great. I mean, there's a, you know, that's like a ending blazing saddles with a, a limo pulling up. I mean, it's, that's what else can you do? That's perfect. It's great. Can't help now, but think, because we've seen uh, Kevin Feige talk about his love of Star Trek. And he, I remember he referenced all good things as an influence for Endgame. But when you watch this movie and they do the signatures at the end. <laughs> yeah. Because they did that at the end of Endgame. And uh, sorry, spoiler. I, I immediately thought, oh, that's Star Trek Six. Because it's so great, it's so great. But it, but here it's like because I mean all of these actors, they'd really made a living of going around. They were the first ones to do it, you know. Yeah. Going around at conventions and signing autographs and stuff, and it was such a big part of their lives as actors and stuff. So to sign off after 25 years doing that, it's really great. Every time I see it, it, it puts a smile on my face. It's it's also funny because I've seen most of those actors sign, and they do not sign quite that carefully. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> uh, not at all. But no, it's 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 really great. It's it's such a wonderful. I I I've always tried to figure out who uh, find like who came up with that. I don't think I've ever read about it. I, I I didn't even understand how they did it really at the time. I'd be interested to know all of that. This movie's littered with cameos. Maybe not some of the you know we David Warner, Kurtwood Smith, um, Christian Slater, um, Michael Dorn is in this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a, Unofficially a, playing a relative of Orf. I think I think it was maybe in the script or something, but. Since they don't say it anywhere, I don't think. Um, and does it? Oh my God! What is um? It's in the director's cut that that um. Rene oh, no. Yeah, he's yeah. in the director's cut, right? Yeah, because he's in the scene where we could we could clean their clocks and all that, and then he's the assassin, I think, at the end. Correct. Yeah, and yeah. Michael Dorn has another. Yeah, he's the one that kind of pulls the mask off of him. Again, I I don't care for the director's cut. Most the the. Uh, scene where the, with the force mind meld I hate in the director's cut he, I don't know if you remember this but he does these dumb 
It's not that they're dumb, but they're fine if you've never watched any Star Trek in your life. But if you're a Star Trek fan, then it's silly because what happened in the in the director's cut, whenever she, he's forcing her to say names and she says, you know, uh, Admiral Cartwright, then there's like this crappy black and white flashback thing just to show you who Cartwright is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he's, you know, she says a couple more names and they flash it. And it, it's silly. If you really, if you've never watched any Star Trek, okay, I guess I can see you probably need the help to know who she's talking about, but I don't have that problem and it's, <laughs> it doesn't work for me. So as usual, I prefer the theatrical over the director's edition or cut or whatever you want to call it. And I haven't watched that version in some time anyway, because it's only available in standard definition, I believe. Yeah. I didn't watch it this time around. I just, um, I was like, I thought, yeah. I was like, I thought it was, and then I remember, yeah, it just kind of all came back to me. What, what, what did you watch it on? I watched it. I didn't, um, I watched it on Epix, like the Epix app on cable. You know, they have all the Trek movies. Steve, I assume you watched the Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. I have the Blu-ray somewhere, but it's like buried in a box. So yeah, it was, it's just a, all around, it's, it's a, a very good movie, very well paced, very satisfying conclusion to quarter century with these characters. Uh, and I think it, I think it totally holds up. My only problem now is just the terrible, terrible, terrible transfer that looks so bad that maybe th- I consciously thought, I don't know that I can watch this movie again until they fix this, which is terrible. It sucks. But so, Brian, I didn't research this question on pur- purpose because I wanted to ask you. I mean, like, what end- what what ends up happening to Enterprise A? I mean, what was the- I mean? I know like we don't see it in any films or, or television episodes but what's the the fandom story or is it is it in a book or some somewhere where i've read that there no that maybe they talked about it in some other show somewhere they it, there's like a there's a museum that has some of these ships in it god where was that was that in a book or did they mention it in, a, in, a, in another well, show? I, me- I remember the um episode with um scotty and next gen where um picard mentions that he'd been on a constitution class starship but he didn't say it was the enterprise no but i have a memory of if it wasn't in a, in a different show then it must have been in some book or something i have a memory where that there's like a there is a museum that has multiple ships in it including the enterprise a is this ringing a bell for you steve i no i don't recall i don't recall because we know it's not not too long after this that we get the the b from uh yeah. generations yeah um, what is this movie about? Um, there, well, there's a lot of themes in this movie. You know, it's um, obviously, you know, it's their last movie, so it's kind of saying goodbye. That one final, that one final mission, that you know, the last time to kind of save the world type type adventure. So they have that going for them. But they, you know, they have also have a lot of underlying supporting themes. You know, um, I think I mentioned it earlier. Steve mentioned it. You know, it kind of is mirroring mirroring world order at the time. You know. Excuse me. One empire dying, one another empire. You know, like you know, the United States and how do they coexist going forward? You know, is it going to be violent? Is it going to be peaceful? That's kind of what they mirror in in this movie. Um, there's also a lot of you know, there's a struggle with growth and 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 especially in older generations or I guess in any generation, you know, to kind of look past your prejudice, prejudice um, and and grow beyond that and. Um, I think they try to, to hit on that. I think they do it successfully in this movie, you know, especially through Kirk and some of the Klingons. You know, Kirk is very adamant 
early on in the movie that he doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to be a part of this um, because of his, you know, distrust and hatred for Klingons. But by the end of the movie, you know, obviously there's that line, you know, it's like you've restored my the faith of my son. So he's, he's kind of come full circle. Um, so that, those are kind of some of the themes that they, they hit on in the movie. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that they, they uh, touch on a lot of themes, but the, the primary notion is this idea of um, coming to terms with change and, and growing with the times and how, how difficult it is, how um, as time goes on, you get set in your ways. Um, there's a certain, way of going, a way of thinking, and it's just simpler to, you know, to those that have harmed you, you just hate them and you don't trust them. And, uh, and then, you know, if you stick, stick with it and you open your mind, you'll see that, uh, it's not, it's not that simple that, you know, we, you know, there, there, there's redemption, there's, um, complexities to relationships to, uh, people to ideas and so on. And I, I think, I think it's, I think it's a good, um, it's good that they touched on this, especially in the last movie that uh, focuses on the, this cast, because it's also a transition movie in a way um, to films with the next gen cast. So that's kind of my take on it. Let's do six degrees for Star Trek six, the undiscovered country. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Kurt Woodsmith plays the president of the Federation in DS9's fifth season. You thought I was going to ask about Voyager, didn't you? But nope. <laughs> in DS9's fifth season, he played the Cardassian Thrax on Terok Nor. What was Thrax's job? Hmm. All right. Was he um, security chief? Yes, sir. Adam, you brought up cameos. Christian Slater has a brief cameo, waking Captain Sulu. Part of the reason he got the the part was because he was a Star Trek fan. Another reason, part of the reason uh, that he got the part was because his mother was the casting director. Name her. A very famous casting director. One of the few, if not the only casting director I can actually name because her name is on so many darn credits over the years. <laughs> Um, something something Slater. I don't I don't know. Who it is. Yes, but I think I need the something something part. <laughs> uh, Marianne Slater. I, I have no idea. That is so close. I'm not sure if I should give that to you or not. Uh, Steve. No, I, I I guess I know no casting characters. <laughs> she's the most famous. So sorry, I don't. Mary Jo Slater. Oh wow! Oh, I got close. Yeah, I'll give it to you. You guys had for the day. How's that? All right. All right. All right. Yeah. You got the first name right. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, Star Trek Six. It's 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 so great. Like I said, it's so great we have this movie just because. God, could you imagine if uh, it, it almost would have made Star Trek Five worse if that was the last one? Oh, yeah. You know, like when you're watching it, you, you can you can allow yourself to, to enjoy certain parts of Star Trek Five because you're like, well, I mean, I got Star Trek Six after this, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, would have just left left. It would have created such vitriol if that. Yeah, oh, I don't know. God, yes. Yeah. All right, so we did it with the uh, original series, and um, yeah, it's, you're talking about it's, so this this movie Star Trek Six came out for the 25th anniversary of Star Trek, and next year will be the <laughs> 30th anniversary of this movie. Fine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so it's, yeah, it's been longer since this movie came out than it had been 
mm-hmm. from Star Trek's inception and, and the release of this film. Nutty. Steve, are you still satisfied with uh, the the new animated show, Lower Decks? Yeah, it's fine. It's there's nothing revolutionary here, you know. <laughs> it, right. Does it make you laugh? It's a comedy, right? At, at times, at times. Uh, okay, you that's know, not a, that's not a hearty endorsement, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah. All right. Did you guys see? They're gonna, I guess, because CBS is so desperate for content because the pandemic shut down so much production. Yes, I read this. They're gonna air the first season of Discovery on. It's normal CBS, like broadcast CBS. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, how are they doing that with the F-bombs? I'm not sure about that. But also, those episodes weren't cut with that intention, so they so they must be cutting them all to a certain mm. length so they can have room for commercials or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's interesting to me that they're doing that. I'd like to know how they decide what to cut. I hope they dub in some, like, not expletive silly words. Uh, <laughs> flower. <laughs> that. Yeah. Frack. You're right. It is flowering cool. <laughs> I, I remember what, they, they should just use frack. That would be funny. That would mm-hmm. be more fun. Uh, I am going through Battlestar again. God, that movie is, or that show is so freaking amazing. Yeah, it's good stuff. I did hear, um, hey, Brian, I did hear a rumor that, you know, so the, the Peacock app that, the, that they're going to do something with Battlestar. They're going to do a show. Some sort you know, of stuff. Yeah, they're, no, they're, that's that's legit. They're doing another show, but it has nothing to do with the Ron Moore. It's like a, yet another reboot kind of thing. So are they starting over from scratch or are they? Just- yeah. Well, I don't know if they're considering it another remake of the original, but it's not, it's, it's no relationship whatsoever to the Ron Moore, David Icke show. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to be back in two weeks to discuss Star Trek generations. Until next time, you can send us an email. That's trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. And our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Yeah, guys, email us and let us know what happened to the Enterprise A. Let's have a good night, guys. <laughs> yeah, see ya. <laughs> see ya. They found a pasta.